to another Snap No Tap podcast. I'm Tony Cicchini with with the one and only Joe Cardinal. I mean, my goodness, everybody in the world, I think, knows who you are by now, Joe. Um, I mean, everybody, okay? Like, people that live in huts know who you are, you know? Um, But no, uh, man, we got hit today with tons of snow. We got a very special guest, too, that we're going to introduce in a moment, but uh, we got to um, kick off as we usually do with our plugs. Take it away, Joe. Well, everybody knows, I mean, we've got a lot of products to sell and we need your support. I mean, number one, come out to our seminars, or I should say workshops. We're calling them workshops now because uh, honestly, it's uh, a lot better interaction with Tony. You can come with questions and we kind of work through whatever issues you want to work on. So it's much, it's almost like, uh, what do you call it? Like a small customized group private sometimes, depending on the turnout. Um, so definitely do those. Those happen monthly. I think our next one is starts the 18th. Is that right? February 18th, Saturday at Jason Bender's martial arts and fitness. And then that Sunday, the 19th at DuPage Krav Maga, as always, um, you know, come on, come all it's really can be customized to whatever your skill level is at. Of course, definitely, um, if you can't do that. Tony's got digital downloads of his instructionals. Always great to do, or you can come out to his place and arrange through him, you know, through email to come and get uh, personal training with him. And of course, if you can't do any of those and you're just a fan of the podcast and you want to support what we're doing here and enjoy the information we're we're giving out, um, definitely join our monthly membership, two levels. Uh, There's a $10 a month and that gets you access to videos that are not published otherwise. They're not part of the digital download, so it's unique content. Um, and then uh, there's also the $5 a month, which is basically a thank you, kind of a Patreon model saying, hey, we want to support you. We want you guys to continue doing the podcast and a way of supporting your coach. Uh, obviously, Tony's website is catchwrestle.com. So go check that out. Um, that is all the plugs on our end, Tony. How are the well, I, have, I have a plug to make. Um, we're, we're trying to get a uh, statue. Uh, a matter of fact, we're trying to get 50 of them, one in every state capital um, of, Joe, of Joe, just of Joe Cardinal to show like what America, the beauty. OK, because they, they talk about the Grand Canyon, you know, and the, the Rocky Mountains and the Smokies and this and that. Um, but I'm, I'm getting a plethora of responses about, you know, the beauty of, of Joe Cardinal and just how, you know. It's inspirational and monumental. Well, you know, I like oh, where you're trying to get statues him. created of him. Huh? Well, I like where your head's at, and I like how you're thinking about this, because initially I was thinking Mount Rushmore, right? That's the obvious choice. Oh. But no, because you're right. Not everybody can make it to, 
to Mount Rushmore and they're going to miss out. Yeah. And so why not do it in every state, you know, share the wealth, spread it around, you know, and we can go from there. I know we have, you know, you have students like Russell in Cambodia. Let's do one in Cambodia right next to Angkor Wat. You know, I think that that would really class it up a little bit, honestly. Um, you know, and, and talking about my celebrity, I just want to kind of say I know have a new goal for my celebrity status. Uh, that's to be on Celebrity Jeopardy. I just started. I, I know I spoke to you that I've been spending some time kind of watching my mom and I've become a fan of Celebrity Jeopardy. And that is new, a new goal that I can set for myself. That's actually a Jeopardy that I can keep up with. Um, and I actually recommend it for you, too, Tony. You know, you and I both at our advancing years deal with varying degrees of brain fog. And it's nice for me to try and test and see what stuff I can remember, um, you know, because real Jeopardy, let's be honest, that's a little bit beyond my pay grade. But Celebrity Jeopardy, you know, which they should kind of subtitle it. It's really high school Jeopardy. But Celebrity Jeopardy is my speed and I found it. I've now I can see how I'm going to spend my retirement. I've already got that set up. So um, that's a goal. So if well, we can let me know if they start a celebrity tic-tac-toe, because that's about my speed. Um <laughs> But anyway, we're going to introduce a very special guest. Let me let me preface this. He's going to tell us all about himself. But um, I met John, I believe it was a couple of weeks ago now, and I uh, took a two-day um, concealed carry class. I know some states don't have concealed carry. Some you can just carry without going through training. Others, you just can't get it, period. Illinois, you got to go through the training, which I actually think is a good idea because you know, um, there's a lot of dimwits out there that, you know, I wouldn't, <laughs> I would not want with a gun or even a, uh, a rubber band, you know, shooting off your fingers. Um, but John is one of the greatest instructors of any subject matter I've, I've heard uh, or I've met. And, um, he put on a wonderful, pl uh, two days at his place. And of course we went to the, um, shooting range, uh, and, and he stood by me like a guardian angel, made sure I got through it. Matter of fact, I choked because I couldn't see at a certain distance. He gave me his prescription reader or his uh, his prescription glasses so I could qualify. Great guy. So anyway, without further ado, Joe is going to ask him a shitload of questions. But I want to introduce a martial artist, a great uh, gunshot, a great instructor. And I, and I heard maybe a former Sears underwear model. I don't know. We'll get to that. But the one and only John Hernandez. Welcome to the show. Hey guys, thanks a lot, Tony. Thanks for that warm welcome, buddy. I You're appreciate. It. You, you, I wasn't an underwear model. Maybe I was a Chippendales dancer. How's that? <laughs> there you go. That'll work. Not, not nowadays, though, Tony. Maybe, maybe back in the day, you know, when I had that martial arts physique, you know, you still got it, buddy. And I got to tell you something, man. You look awesome. I'm a few years older than you. Um, I got battle scars. You know, six kids, five grandkids. You know, just. <laughs> A lot of battle scars that uh, kind of put the weight on through the years. As you mentioned, I was a martial artist, um, kind of started doing that a long time ago and kind of evolved. It all evolved into firearms. And, and this is where I stand today. And uh, you guys can kind of ask me what you want to know. And if you're interested in the martial arts background, Tony, you know, you and I talked a little bit about it. We actually know some people in common, which was which, which how crazy is that 40 years later, Tony? I mean, talk about it, you know. It, it it really is crazy. And before we get into that, because Joe, Joe will go through your whole life history here, I just want to say to people, you know, I'm a hard sell, and I don't give out compliments, and I don't ever give out endorsements. It's rare. And I've only endorsed a few people. Uh, 
you know, you can count them on less than two hands. Uh, John Hernandez, I fully endorse. I, I mean, the guy is, he just blew my mind. Um, he's so impressive. Uh, and anybody who is in the greater Chicagoland area, and maybe even that, maybe you guys can work something out. Uh, he doesn't just teach concealed carry. We're going to get to what he teaches, uh, his full gambit. But I, I cannot recommend this guy more. Uh, he's just an amazing fellow. So, Joe, you, you're always loaded with questions. You know, when it comes to stuff like that, Joe, you're full of it. Okay? I've so, heard that, yeah. Let's... Um... Well, before we get really into the into the weeds, John, where can people find you? Because you know we want to get make sure your information is out there. You know, before people drop off if they're not listening all the way to the end. So, where, you know, where's your shop at, and, and what kind of classes do you teach? Yeah, let, let me let me just say that real quick. We're, our name of our store is well, our facility is Lightning Defense Academy. Um, you know, because we started out as an instructional as a teaching facility, um, and it kind of evolved into uh, a full spectrum gun shop in the sense that. We have all the supplies. We have everything. Matter of fact, I just got my FFL, for those of you guys that don't know what that is, oh! firearms license. Uh, I just got that at the end of December. But being in Illinois, where things are a little bit more complicated, I still need to go through a certification process with the, Illinois. And that's what I'm working on now. So I'm hoping within the next 30 days, we'll have firearms here. I'm at Crystal, I'm in Crystal Lake, which is a western suburb out here. Um, our address is 370 West Virginia Street. Um, between school and 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 uh, and store, um, we're expanding right now. We're probably going to have close to thirty five hundred square feet. You know, the school you know, the school being a uh, you know sixteen sixteen seventeen hundred square feet, and the store being something similar. So we are small. We're mom and pop. You know, my son and I run this place together. Um, you know, basically that's what we do. Um, so what do I teach? Right now, you know, my main thing is I do teach the Illinois Concealed Carry. I really love doing it. Like Tony says, I think it's a great education. I think everybody should take a concealed carry course, whether you're going to carry or not, you know, because you're going to get everything you need in there. You're going to get from the fundamentals to storage. You're going to get the laws. You're going to get the range work. You're going to get everything you need. A lot of people think they know how to shoot, you know, because they were taught by their uncle. They were taught by their grandfather. Things have changed. I, I started I, I started hanging around fire, firearms in the late 70s, and from then to now, everything has changed. So if you've been taught by somebody a little bit older, there might be a lot more technology out there. Um, I also teach a first aid class. Like I tell my students, if you know how to make a hole, you need to you need to be able to plug that hole. And that hole you might be plugging might be your own hole. So, mm -hmm. so it's important that you take a first aid class, know how to put a tourniquet on, know how to put a hyphen chest seal on, know how to clot a wound, know how to do CPR. Um, I also teach a mass shooter, a mass shooter class, which is, you know, uh, avoiding the mass, you know, countering the mass shooter threat. Um, this is a great class. Um, I don't get a lot of people in this class because it's a scary subject. People don't even want to talk about it. They don't want to deal with it. But you know what? It happens. It's happening more and more every day. So, I mean, I do teach classes. I teach private um, I do. I still, you know, being a martial artist and being my background, I still teach a basic self-defense class. Um, am I teaching the art anymore where I'm going to take somebody, you know, <laughs> and with them for eight years? No, that's not what I do anymore. But can I take them, the housewife, can I take the kid going off to college and basically teach them how to move? How, you know, I, like a Tony, like I was talking to you, teach them angles, how to parry, how to use their elbow. How to use a palm heel, how to, how, you know, how, how to strike the ear with a palm heel strike, how to use your knees. I mean, basic stuff that's just going to maybe be able to get them out of there, create space, run away, get away, you know. Um, 
So, so basically, that's what I'm doing till now. Plus the store, like I said, we have we all the, have all the supplies, we have everything in stock. And the store is what we're looking at now, right? For people who are watching on YouTube. Yeah. So this is my store right behind me, and, and as you can see, I mean, there's a there's a wall full of supplies back there, holsters, and uh, we have storage, we have safes, we you know we got cleaning equipment, we got optics. I mean, we got everything, you know, anything and everything that you need. We have ammo. Uh, we got a great price on ammo. We're very competitive. Don't pay high prices other places, man. You can get ammo here cheaper than just about close to online prices without having to wait for stuff to come in. Ian's my son. He runs the store. And one of the mandates I gave him um, when we opened the store is that we want to build customers for life. Okay. And and I've always had that mentality. I want to create a family. Um so when I told them when we price our things, we kind of look at, we look at the internet. We'll look at the internet. We'll kind of look at Amazon. We'll look at, you know, bigger, bigger stores on the online. And I want to be competitive with them. I want to be $10, $15, you know, maybe above them, you know, so, so that, you know, if you have to pay for shipping, well, you know what? You get it instantly. And, you know, another thing, if you have a problem with that product, you don't have to ship it back to Amazon. You come to me and I'm going to handle it for you. Um, so, you know, maybe 10 bucks difference on an optic, 15 bucks different on an optic. You're getting it right here, handed to you immediately. You could touch it, feel it. And if you have a problem with it, you bring it right back here. You're not shipping it online to somebody that you don't know what's going to happen and what the results are going to be. Wow, that sounds awesome. Yeah, I can't wait to come check it out. Yeah, come on down, man. We're open seven days a week. Uh, we're generally open. We open up a, during the week. We open up at 10. Right now, winter hours, we're closing at 6. In the summer, we're closing. You know, as soon as April comes by, we'll start closing at 7 o'clock because the day starts changing a little bit. I'm teaching every weekend, so we generally open the store at 9 a.m. on weekends, and we close at 5 p.m., but we're here seven days a week. Excellent. Well, like Tony says, I always like to find out someone's story, and I think our, our listeners do. So let's let, let's rewind all the way to, like, you know, where did you grow up? What did you do growing up? Were you into athletics? Were you always doing outdoor stuff and shooting? You know, tell us kind of, tell us the long story. How, how did you get into this? So the long story is, um, I mean, I, you know, for those of you that, 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 that I'm talking to, you're local to the Chicagoland area. Um, I grew up in Maywood in Melrose Park. You know, um, kind of a Western suburb. Um, I grew up as a kid, you know, I, you know, when I was young, I'm, 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 believe it or not, you know, with this white beard, I may not look it, but I'm a Latino male. My last name is Hernandez. Um, you know, my, my father always pushed me into sports, but, you know, I just never clicked with those team sports. I played ball. I played football. I did all that stuff. And it took me a while. Um, I don't know. We probably, it was probably like, 10 or 11 years old, they opened a dojo, okay, I, I know everybody knows that word here, um, in Melrose Park, and, and, and I saw it, and I kind of went in and checked it out, and, 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 and I went to my father, I said, you know what, Dad, I want to take karate, I mean, you know, everybody knew Bruce Lee and the, you know, and, and, the, and the Green Hornet back then, and, mm -hmm. and I want to be like him, and we had Billy Jack, too, I don't, that, you're too young, yes. for that. You, you, don't, you don't know that. Oh, so, I know Billy. Yeah. So, 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 I, so I, you know, I, I signed up to the dojo, you know what? It was an instant love, you know, cause I was doing my own thing. I didn't have to worry about nine other players. 
All I had to worry was about myself and the person in front of me. So I can control my own destiny. And I really enjoyed that. Um, so, uh, so you know, I, start, I started in 1969 and the dojo was called the Lee Ikai Dojo. For some of you old timers, I'm going to mention his name. Um, you know, his name was Patrick Wyatt. You know, he passed away in 74. Uh, amazing talking to Tony because Tony tells me he's from Ohio. And I mentioned my instructor's name, which was Al Jean Coralia. And Tony jumps in. He says, I know Al Jean. I was just on the opposite side of the, uh, the opposite side of I think it was Cleveland. He was we yeah. were talking. That's where where Al Jean was from. And, you know, and right there, because like Tony says, you know, us martial art guys, we got a little bit of that testosterone and we kind of mark our ground. Is this guy for real? Is this guy not for real? And when Tony started rapping off names and I started rapping off names, he's rapping off Bill Superfoot Wallace. And, and I show him on my Facebook, look, he was a friend of mine. And we wrapped off some more names, you know, no, no doubt, no question, you know, that I knew that Tony was for real. And I hope he had the same feeling about me, you know, because when you start going back that far, I mean, Mark, you may do the math a little bit better. We're in 2023. Take this back to 1970. What are we talking 50 years ago? Right. Yeah, exactly. You know, Tony, I mean, I thought that was awesome when we could have that conversation about that. So um, I continued doing, you know, the martial arts and I did the I did the whole tournament circuit back then. The big the big circuit was circuit was the United States Karate Association. Tony, we talked about Trias, remember? Yes. Robert Trias. Yes. Talked about Robert Trias, the father of karate. Well, you know, I'm an Okinawan Shuriru stylist, you know, um, you know, Sensei Wyatt after, you know, Al Jean, you know, because Al Jean, I even told you, Al Jean was, uh, Al Jean came from Hawaii, uh, and, and Al Jean studied under Adrian Imperato out there in Hawaii, so they had a style that was called Kaju Kembo, okay, mm -hmm. and that's originally it was, and then Sensei Wire turned in, I mean, back then, it was just a mosh, it was just like a so much thing, and then we got into Goju Shorei, and then Trias came in, and he took Goju Shorei to Shuriru, to Shuri, you know, Shuri Tei, you know, and, and he brought over a lot of information over from Okinawa, and, you know, is it an American system? Yes, he's the father of that system, is it a great system? I love that system, because it's a system that has, it's well-rounded, you know, um, lot, you know, 75% hand, 25% feet. Um, Tony, I know you're a grappler. I, you know, not, I'm not a jujitsu guy by no means, but I remember rolling around the floor. I remember grappling. I remember my instructor teaching me hip throws. I remember my instructor showing me shoulder throws because they came. I don't know if you know this name, Tony, Chicago judo and karate in the city. Oh, I've That's heard of it, but that, that was before my time. Yeah, way, way back in the 60s, you know, so, so you know, it was kind of a mishmash of stuff. So I did all that, and you know, and I competed for, for a lot of years. And, um, you know, um, I was rated top 10 in the United States in Kumite, uh, you know, through the USKA for, for, for three years in a row. Uh, then I was dragged down to Florida. Um, down there, I became, and you guys know what the term Ronin may, means, I kind of became a dojo bum because we talked a little about Tony. I trained with the Tracy's Dojo. I actually trained with a gentleman named Mel Weiss. I trained with a gentleman named John Pachitas for a while. I kind of moved around and moved around. I ended up training under one of Sensei's Weiss instructor, who was eventually who I got my black belt on, which is on the West Coast. I'm in Miami. I had my, I wasn't even driving yet. I had my uncle driving from Miami to Naples. Two times a week to take me to train out there. That's 100 miles one way. My uncle was taking me to drive. This is how passionate I was about martial arts. I was driving. I had my uncle driving 200 miles round trip to take me to train. You know, wow. um, 
was it was tremendous. And eventually in 1981, I opened up my first dojo down there. Um, you know, I eventually ended up having two or three dojos down there through the years. Uh, I taught from 1981 to 2007. Um, had some fabulous students. Had some great students. We actually traveled. We actually uh, fought a national circuit. Um, you know, we actually fought the Budweiser circuit where where Toki Hill was in it and, and people like that. Tony, you familiar with them? Oh, of course, Toki Hill. My goodness, my God. <laughs> yeah, Toki Hill, which he's he's also a uh, he's he's also a Trias guy. Um, who else? What Billy Blanks fought that circuit. He was part of the Budweiser team. Wow. You know. So I, you know, my students got got to be able to do that. I had a sponsor back in the '80s, which uh, I had a fighting team in my small dojo in Miami, and that was great experience for my students. Um, you know, I had a dojo, probably 125 students. It was hard to keep. Uh, I didn't charge a lot of money back then. I we're charging thirty, thirty-five dollars a month. People didn't have money. Uh, a lot of times, you know, you know, if you, if you're true to the art, kid comes in and tells you, "Hey, I got to quit. My my mother lost her job." You know, will you continue teaching? Now, come on, kids, keep keep coming to class. Don't drop out, you know, stay with it, you know, especially one of your top students. It becomes it becomes a love. I mean, I actually be I actually for a while there actually lived in my dojo, you know, uh, mm-hmm. which I, that was a great time, my friend, living in the school. You know, um, right now uh, I, I am a fourth degree black belt. My last rank was given to me by John Pachivas down there. Um, you know, here I am, been doing this for 50 years. I don't have a 10th degree black belt. Sorry, guys, you know. Uh, <laughs> Like I always told people, you know, a belt is what holds up your pants. That's about it. Taught for all those years, um, not because I didn't have the talent, the, the talented students. I just never believed in giving away rank. I think I have eight black belts in all those years that I taught, you know. Um, it was trot the through way. Tony, we talked about that, man. Yeah. This is why I quit teaching. You know, I know we want to move on to the gun thing, but the, I'm passionate about martial arts, guys. Um, this is why I quit teaching. I, I didn't want to be a babysitter anymore, you know. Um, you know, uh, I didn't want five-year-old black belts. Sorry if I'm offending anybody. You know, I really apologize that I don't didn't want five-year-old black belts. You know, um, our system. You know, you had to be 14 to get a brown belt. You had to be 17 to get a black belt, and and, and I stuck true to that. You know, and uh, I, I just wanted out. You know, so I stopped teaching. I stopped teaching in 2007. Uh, I continued with my career in finance, which I had been doing. I had been doing two things. I had the dojo, and I was still working my finance career. Um, moving, moving, moving this up all the way now, you know, I, I, I was in the, in the finance industry, stopped teaching. Um, and, and then I decided to get in the gun business. So what brings me into guns? I've been around firearms since I was a teenager, you know, having a shotgun and hunting with my shotgun, you know, um, you know, or 22 hunting squirrel and stuff like that. Finally bought my first handgun in 1981. I still got it. You know, it's a little Raven pistol. If any of you guys know what that is, it's about a $45 gun Saturday night special. You know, and ever since then, now I got, uh, I've got, uh, I've got four boys and two girls, uh, of which uh, two of them hunt with me. One of them is my partner, and here is an instructor with me. Um, my daughter, one of my daughters, a concealed carry. She's she also has a concealed carry. We're very active in the firearms industry. Uh, we shoot together. We hunt together. Uh, we do that kind of thing. I hope I haven't. I, I hope I haven't talked too much here, guys. So I'll let give no, you guys. No, very interesting. So, so originally your exposure to firearms was like hunting with family then? Yeah, no, hunting with friends out there. I, you know, I, I failed to say that um, in 1974, I moved to Florida, you know, um, 
my parents being Cuban from the tropics and having moved over here in 1959, they had enough of the cold weather. 15 years of Chicago brutal weather was enough. And everybody knows, you know, we got that good Cuban food and Cuban food and Cuban coffee in Miami. They couldn't resist. Most of their family was there. So, you know, they uprooted me from here. And hence why, you know, I heard you, you heard me say that my, my uncle was taking me from Miami to, to, to Fort Myers, the train, because when I moved to Florida, um, you know, I, I left everything up here and went down there. Um, yeah, and through my teenage years, I was, you know, hunting rabbit, hunting squirrel out there in the Everglade. And, and then, you know, when I got turned 21, you know, I was already working and, and I was working kind of a shady area of town. And I said, you know what, I want to buy a handgun for self-defense. And, you know, all I can afford back then was $45. So I bought what's called, you know, a lot of people, you, you guys may know it as a Raven pistol, which is a Saturday Night Festival special, which is a 25 caliber gun. And, and that's what I carried his self-defense around with me. Thank God I never had to use it. I'd probably hurt the guy more if I threw it at him than shoot him with it. So <laughs> if anybody knows the ballistics about a 25, they suck. Oh, can I say that? <laughs> yeah, you can. You know, when I first moved to Chicago, I was dating a Cuban girl. Uh, well, a lady, because she was, she was actually older than me. And her mom made congri, okay? <laughs> which to this day, oh, my God, I, I love it. I wish I could get some more homemade Congrete. We got to get together, go to a Cuban restaurant together, Tony. You well, for sure, for sure. Mm -hmm. Now go ahead, Joe. Joe's Joe's got so many questions for you. He's well, I do want to riff on the food though too. I, I'm a big fan of Ropa Via. I don't oh, know. Oh, you guys are. We got to go to. We got to go have lunch together. You know. Yeah. That's, yeah. Um, there used to be a place on uh, Michigan Avenue, not too far from North Avenue, in the city called Poncho's. I think it's it's unfortunately closed down, but it had my favorite. Ropa Vija, but he, my son actually is a, is a huge fan too. I've turned him on to Cuban food. So yeah, if you know good places, I am there. Um, yeah. So, so for a long time, you were, you, you know, you were doing the hunting, you had the, the Saturday night special, the, the 25 caliber for self-defense. When did you start to look into it and develop more? Like what, what, you know, is it just out of a curiosity or what, what was your next gun that you yeah, got? You know, I bought that 25 and, and then uh, some of the guys that I was working with at the time, they weren't the firearms and, you know, they had some nicer stuff. So, you know, um, now I'm a little bit older. I'm making a little bit more money. Yeah. So, I, you know, at the time I owned some SIG hours. I owned a P220. I owned a P226. Um, everybody, anybody that knows SIG really knows those. Those are kind of classic firearms for them. Um, owned a really cool. I don't have any of these anymore. I sold them. Um, owned a really cool firearm, which is a Dan Wesson. Um, everybody knows Smith and Wesson. So Dan Wesson is one of the, one of the Wesson brothers, as, as I understand it. And he has his own brand of firearms. And, and I had a 357, which was a really cool one. And anybody that goes back, back may know this. So they had, they had one that came in a wood box and actually had interchangeable barrels. So now you can go out and you can buy this 357 and it comes with a six inch barrel, comes with a four inch barrel and comes with a two inch barrel. And here you have this tool that you can actually unscrew it from the front and you got three guns. Again, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not making a lot of money. Um, I'm already married. I've already got one child. Um, so, you know, I, you know, I need to watch where I spend my money. Um, but that was a reasonably, reasonably affordable gun, you know, um, you know, I, I bought, I, I had a Spanish gun, which was a Yama, which is what the police, a star, sorry, which is what the Spanish police use. I mean, I think back then I had, uh, you know, uh, that I had that one revolver with, uh, you know, with the three barrels on it. I had a couple, I had a couple six hours and then I had the Spanish Yama that I had. 
And and I had a shotgun. You know, I had a Mossberg. Who who who, who can't have a Mossberg? Because that's what I hunted with. And I had a little Ruger twenty two. That was the extent of my firearms. <laughs> Don't ask me what I got nowadays. I I won't incriminate myself. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, let's start. So I'm I'm pretty much a novice when it comes to firearms, pretty literate. If I was going to be starting out, what what are some of the things that you'd recommend saying, if you're just going to have this one for self-defense, this is some of the models you might want to consider? You know, that's a tough question. Um, and and, 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 and it, Tony can probably remember I said this phrase in the class. You know, you want to you want to find yourself the, a place they have gun rentals. OK, Um I recommend you, to, if you, you don't have experience, obviously, go with somebody. You can go with a friend, or you can hire somebody like me, um, and I can go to the range with you. Um, actually, the range I use out here, they have free gun rentals on Mondays, and I offer this to all my students. If you don't have a firearm and you want to pick a firearm, let's pick a Monday that we're going to go to the range. You're not going to pay for the gun rental. All you're going to pay is for the ammo. They do require that you buy the ammo from them. Even though I sell the ammo, we got to buy it from them because they're 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 letting you use their guns for free. So I don't even charge if you do your concealed carry class with me. I don't even charge for this service. We'll go on a Monday there. We'll pick four or five guns. We're gonna go. We're gonna take a Smith and Wesson M&P. We're gonna take a Glock 19. You know, we may take a Six Hour P320. We're gonna go through a gamut of guns. We're only gonna buy one box of ammo. I'm not gonna drive you to the poor bank. You're gonna spend. <laughs> dollars on that box of ammo we're going to take each firearm and we're going to put about five rounds through it and then we're going to take these three or four firearms you know and we're going to go through 25 rounds if anybody knows anything you got 50 rounds inside of a box of range ammo so now we're going to take these fire we're going to go through five five firearms okay we're going to put five rounds through it and then you're going to come back and say you know what john i really like this smith and wesson and I really like this gun. We're going to narrow it down to two. Then we're going to take that fire and we're going to put, now we're going to probably put like 10 rounds through each one again. Okay. So now we, now you're going to take it, you're going to narrow it down again. And, and now we're up to 35, 45 rounds. Okay. And then I'm going to ask you again, I said, okay, now we put 10 more rounds to this. You've got 15 rounds for each gun. All right. Which one do you really like? You know what? I really like, I really like this Glock 19. All right. Let's take these last five rounds and put, and put it through it. I'm going to ask you a question. Would you go buy a pair of shoes without trying them on? Right. Of course you wouldn't. Right. You know, I know with the Internet nowadays, that's kind of a silly question. Okay. But generally, the answer to that question is we're going we're gonna to try our shoes on before we – and the same thing with a gun. Or I'll ask you another one. Would you, buy a, would you go buy a, a $20,000, $30,000 car without a test drive? There's no difference with a firearm. You know, you gotta, you got to know the length of pull. Make sure your hand fits on it. Is, it. is the grip comfortable for you? Do you like the sights on it? Tony, we tested a couple of triggers, remember? I put three triggers in front of you, and they were all different, you know? Correct. And I said, this is what you would really want to buy? And everybody's like, no, I don't want that gun. I wouldn't, I wouldn't own that gun. I wouldn't want to put my life on that gun. You know, so these are all things that you need to test and the best way to do it. You don't want to go and I mean, this is not cheap. You know, um, an average gun is going to cost you, you know, on the low side, four to five hundred dollars. You don't want to buy this gun. And then later on, you say, I don't want to carry this thing. This thing's uncomfortable. This thing is horrible. I cannot hit the broad side of the barn with this thing. You know what? You may have bought the wrong gun. Um, 
don't listen to Bubba behind the counter. Okay. Bubba's carrying a Glock. He may tell you to carry a Glock. I carry a Glock, but I would never tell you to carry a Glock because a Glock fits me, but it may not fit you. You know, so you want to make sure that you know exactly what you want to buy, you know, and and try it before you do it. And and I mean, even if even if you go to a gun range that doesn't have free rentals, they're going to charge you fifteen dollars for the rental and buy the ammo. You know, you're going to spend a little extra money, but it's well worth spending the money and not finding out later. Does that cover you, Mark? How's that? Yeah. So I think um, what's well, very oh, interesting. his name is Joe, by the way. Oh, sorry, sorry. No, it's okay. <laughs> um, He's a mark, though. He's he's been known to be a mark throughout his life. <laughs> Don't uh, get mad. Don't be mad at me, Joe. Sorry. No, no, it's fine. Um, but it's interesting because I never really thought of that. It is a pretty subjective, personal experience. You know that that one gun one gun that works for somebody might not work for somebody else. Um, just based on their. I happen to have a few specimens here. Can I can I can I do this or can't I? Of course. That'd be great. So, you know, and, and I asked you before and I kind of said, hey, you know, do you want me to have some stuff laying around? So, you know, I said, all right, you know, let's have it. So so let's 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 kind of show a, a couple here. I only have three here. Um everything first of all, guys, anytime you pick up a firearm, you need you need to safety check it. You need to make sure that it's clear that there's nothing inside it. Everything I have here in front of me has been cleared already, okay? So what do I mean by clearing? So here's a firearm. Tony, I know you're in front of me. I'm not going to point it at you, okay? <laughs> okay. Feel the same? Well, the first thing you want to do is you want to drop that magazine, okay? I took that magazine out. Next thing you want to do is you want to take this, this slide and lock it back. Next thing I want to do is I want to look through. I want to look through here, you know, look through the magazine. Well, make sure there's nothing in here. And then I'm going to tilt it forward, and I'm going to kind of put my finger in there Make sure there's nothing in the chamber. You know what that's doing? That's ensuring me that there is nothing inside this firearm. And every firearm I have here, I've kind of already done that. So I'm, I had already taken the magazine out of this one. So here, here's another one, and I'm going to do the same thing. And I'm going to do this last one. I only got three here, and I'm going to drop this one. And these are all very specific, very different firearms here. And I'm going to check this magazine. I'm going to drop it forward, and I'm going to drop the slide, discharge the trigger, and that. So let me let me let me quickly here kind of go over these. So th this is one of my all these are my guns, okay? So this is one of my personal guns. I don't know if you guys can see it there. Um, this is a real popular carry gun. Um, this is what's called the Glock 43X, and and this firearm here is basically a subcompact, okay? So it's a smaller gun, and I'm going to kind of show here. So here's my hand, and you guys can see how this fits in my, hand, okay? Um, really, really. Why do I like Glock? Okay, because reliability is very important to me. Okay, I can miss my shot because I got follow-up shots. Okay, but reliability I can't replace. I need it to be reliable. Okay, um, you, you want to make sure that this thing is going to work for you. So, so that's just why I carry Glock. It's a very simple firearm. I think totally, totally the amount of parts inside a Glock is less than forty. Okay, uh, and to take this firearm apart and clean it is just like so simple. You hold it back, knock this down, pull the trigger. Man, here it is. It's already apart. I break this thing down to break this down into four pieces, and I'm already cleaning this firearm. Um, this is what's called the striker fire. There, there's not, there's nothing much on it. The safety on this gun is on the trigger. I don't have to be releasing safeties. I don't, I don't have decockers 
I don't have a million things to worry about with this firearm. This is what I want in a self-defense situation. I want to be able to draw this firearm, get myself on target, and be able to bring my finger down to the trigger and be able to press and shoot and save myself. So I am a big fan of Glock. They have a safety on the trigger. They're very reliable. Um, they're easy to take apart. And guys, this is like a Chevy. You can buy parts for this thing. Kidding, all kidding, you know, you could go to the drugstore and buy stuff like this. It's kind of that easy. You can get a million parts. These things are customizable. I mean, I, I am going to draw my firearm from my holster. This one is loaded. I'm going to drop my magazine. I'm going to clear my round. Okay, I took the round out of the chamber. So I'm going to lock it back. Look at this thing. Okay, I got a light on it. I got optics on it. I got a wide magazine well. It's got an upgraded barrel. It's got upgraded sights. This is a $450 gun that I probably got close to $2,000 into it. Okay, that's how crazy you can go with that. Okay, um, let me remove my magazine, loaded magazine, and my ammo and put it aside. Um, so here, here's a, here's a really nice gun. This is a USP. This is a double action, single action gun. Okay. What does that mean? Tony, should I test you or should I give you a break tonight? Well, you can give me a break, but I, I do know what a double and single action is, but please explain it. Yeah, let me explain it. I went over this with Tony. So this trigger does two things. In double action, I actually pull this trigger. Let me safety check it again. You can't be safe enough. Okay. In double action, I can literally pull this trigger. I don't know if you guys can see it. That hammer goes back and it releases it. So that would be a double action shot, which means, you know, that firearm is moving the hammer back and releasing it. Drawback from that, that's a 10 to 12 pound trigger pull. Okay. So you need to train a little bit more than with this gun than you would train with the Glock because you have two different trigger, you have two different uh, travels with your trigger, you have two different weights with your trigger. So you would definitely want to practice with this gun more. Now, what happens? So, your second shot after you fired your first shot, okay, because your first one, let's say, was in double action. Now, if you look, the hammer is left back and the trigger is back. So, now all you got to do is basically you pull the trigger, it releases the hammer, and it goes off again, and the slide goes back, moves forward, puts another round in. Here we go, click, click, and it's back in the single action. So, the difference with that is that this trigger pull on this gun. And single action is about four and a half pounds, really light. There you go. Look at that. It just goes off. Where to pull it in double action, I really need to kind of lay into it a little bit more. Now, this gun for safety has what's called the decocker on this side, where I can literally press this down. I don't know if you guys can see it there. Watch that hammer. It releases the hammer. So now I carry this gun with this like this. And if I do it, want to from here, I pull that, put a safety up on it. And now even if I pull the trigger, the gun doesn't go off. But what's the drawback? Now I'm in a self-defense situation where seconds count, okay? I have to drop this safety, and my first round has to be in double action. And then the second rounds are in single action. So it takes a lot more training to work with a gun like this, okay? Any of you guys that like the classics, here it is, guys. If, if, if those of you guys that know what this is, this is a 1911. Um, it's been around since the early 1900s. Uh, this, this was invented by John Browning which is one of the greatest gun inventors in the world. But, so this one is a single action only. Notice the hammer's forward, but I press the trigger and it does not go off. Okay, so in order to be able to, for this this firearm to work, I got to cock that slide, slide, rack that slide back, have that hammer, hammer cocked. Well, but do you really want to carry this 
gun around like that with the hammer cock. Look at this. Oh, let me grip it here. That thing goes off like nothing. So what they do with the 1911 is now you've got what's called a frame safety on this side. You put that safety up there. That trigger can't go off now. Okay. Now it has a backup safety, which, you know, is good, but it's a grip safety. So look, I'm not gripping the gun. I release the slide. I release the slide lock over there. I got the hammer back. But look, the trigger still don't go off. So watch what happens. I press in this this trigger, this 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 slide safety back. I'm sorry, the the uh, the backstrap safety back here. Watch the hammer. There it goes off. Okay. So again, now you're in a self defense situation. You got to make sure you got a good grip on that thing. You got to make sure you're able to drop that slide safety before you get in the fight. Well, in the meantime, here's my Glock. You know, I already checked that there's nothing in the chamber. All I have to do is draw this firearm and boom. Okay. Well, so where is the safety? Where's the safety? All right. So if you look at the trigger, it's got a little detent on there. I don't know if you guys can see that right there. If I pull the trigger from the side, unless you're, can I say this? Unless your name is Alec Baldwin, it won't go off. <laughs> All right. If you're Alec, it's gonna, it'll go off without pulling the trigger. But here, it won't go off. Now, the minute I lay my finger across that detent right there, watch, it went off. Okay. So what's important about a firearm is this. This is the best safety in the world, keeping that finger off the trigger. Okay. I hope I'm not rattling on too much, guys. Are we losing people here because of me? <laughs> oh, Probably not. No, I think this is a lot of good information. So I think, yeah, this is just great. Let, uh, let me throw in a couple or a question on the difference, the differences between the calibers and kind of get into, you know, you, you said you had a 25, get into that, a 30, 38, of, you know, the nine millimeter and, and on and on, 45s. All right. Okay. Fair enough. Um, so first of all, what do you want to do with it? 22 is a great plinking round. I love to go to the range and plink with a 22. You know why? I could buy 500. I could buy a pack of 500 bullets for 50 bucks. That is a great time at the range or a great time knocking down 10 cans. But is what I would really want to use for self-defense? Probably not. Okay, probably not. A 22 is a very small round. It's called a varmint round. It's for hunting squirrels and stuff like that. Now, let me not stop you there. If that's all you can afford and that's all you can have and that's the best you can do, it's better than nothing. Have it, okay? Um, so 25, 25, the ballistics on a 25 are even worse than a 22. So um, let's get into some of the more popular ones, Tony, if you can. And, I, and I, since I took the round out of my firearm, this is a nine millimeter right here. Um, so nine millimeter is a great round. Um, if, if we look at what's called a, like a Taylor knockdown chart, chart, or we look at a kinetic energy chart, this, this thing fits right in the middle. So if I have a chart from, from one to let's say 14, this thing's going to fall in like at a seven. Why do you think that it's a NATO round? Why do you think the military use it? Why do you think police use it? Because ballistically, this is a great round. Now, there's a lot more you need to know about ammunition. So what kind of ammo is range ammo? What kind of ammo is self-defense ammo? So uh, I hope I'm not going too far off on this. Range ammo is what's called full metal jacket. Everybody, everybody's heard that because they've heard about the movie. And what full metal jacket is, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a bullet that is a copper dome, okay, with lead inside of it, okay? And what that bullet does is when it hits something, it does not expand. So 
in, in, in 1998, I think it was, or 1980, 1989, the New York Police Department, they did a study and they realized that a lot of the people that were getting hit by friendly fire, the, so in other words, bullets that had gone through through a police officer and hit an innocent victim were full metal jacket rounds. And the same thing with police officers. When they were being shot by the bad guys, it was going through them and, hit, and hitting other people. So for self-defense, it's not a good round. So this happens to be a hollow point round. Um, and what this round is, is you have the copper here and then the tip is hollowed out and you have little cuts in the side. So when this bullet impacts somebody, it's gonna open up, it's gonna flare out, okay? Kind of like creating like a parachute, like a mushroom. So it doesn't go through the body, okay? It stops within the body and it's gonna create a wound channel where those full metal jackets is just gonna be like a streak going through it's not going to create hardly any wound channel. So most chances are, you if you don't hit a vital organ, it's going to go straight through the person, and that person's going to continue on, you know, attacking you. Where this is going to attack the cardiovascular system because it's going to create a wound channel, you know, stopping the incident a lot quicker. Um, Tony, you brought up forty-five, so you know this is a good time for me to. Uh, I happen to have one here. I, I kind of didn't know what to bring out here. Um, Joe told me, yeah, just bring some stuff out here. And I, and I just decided to bring some stuff out here to kind of just show in case we got into the conversation. And so far, it's good. So here's a 40. Yeah. Should I bring up Elizabeth Hurley? I mean, if you have her, please bring her out. Who, which, who's that? Elizabeth Hurley. If you have her there, please bring her. Out. Matter of fact, hold her there. I'll be in Crystal Lake in five minutes. The hell with it. Hey, ready. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So here's a 45. Can you guys see the difference in that or am I too far away? Yes. So bullets have what's called grain weight. And grain weight is the weight of the pullet, okay? So your typical hundred and your typical nine millimeter is going to range anywhere between a hundred and they make them lighter, guys, for those of you guys that know. But your typical stuff is going to be between 115 grains. You know, there's 7,000 grains in a pound. It's going to go between 115 grains to about 147 grains. And this is going to start making sense to you. Here's a 45. The weight of this bullet is 230 grains. So you can see the difference in that. Why did I say that 22 is not possibly the best round for self-defense? Because when you get into a 22, I don't have one here, and I don't want to stand up. It's about a 40-grain bullet. That's how light it is. Okay, So you're talking 40-grain weight versus 115 to 147 to 230 grains weight of bullet. That, that translates into energy when it hits a person and stopping power. And you got velocity and you got a lot of other things for those of you guys that know it, but I won't get into all that today. So there's a little quick education on ammunition and stuff like that for now. So like when I saw you a couple of weeks ago, we went to the range. So I used 115 grain uh, jacketed, but I also have 147 hollow points. That's the self-defense round of my choice. There you go. There you go. So what's the difference between a, between a 115 for the range and 147 for 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 self defense. So you've got one that 115. So Tony, if you got a guy that's lighter and a guy that's heavier, who's going to run faster? Well, the lighter guy. Hopefully, the lighter guy. So you're going to you're going to have that 115 round and any you know the velocity on 115 round can be anywhere between 1,050 to 1,200, depending on the type of ammo that you that you buy. So that round's going to be a quicker round, but since it's lighter, it's going to hit lighter. Okay, it's going to impact lighter. Okay, so that's part of it. Now, another part of that is when you have that lighter round, so it's going to be quicker, so your firearm is going to, going to be quicker. So your slide's going to be a lot quicker. So if your slide's quicker, 
what is one, one of the reactions that you're going to get on that? You're going to have more recoil, okay, because that slides quicker. So now let's take that 147 round, grain round. So that's a heavier round. When it hits the person, it's going to hit harder. A lot of the pros out there, you know, that do this, they would have a, they like to have that 147. Good choice, Tony, for a self-defense round. Now, what's that's going to do to the function of your gun? If it's, if a lighter round makes the slide move quicker and makes that more violent because it's quicker, a heavier round is going to make this slide move a little bit slower and you're going to have a little bit less recoil, which you may be able to manage that round a little bit better. Does that make sense to you guys? You know, uh, I'm yes. not an or, or, or I'm not a physicist, but physics-wise, it makes sense, right? Yes. Does right. it make sense to you, Joe? Yeah, definitely. Yep. So, so you know, good choices there, Tony. 115 for the range. I, I would step it up to 124 for the range. If you're shooting 147, kind of gets you a little bit closer to what you're used to shooting. Um, you know, get, get yourself some 124 for the range. Uh, and definitely, if you, I don't know if you put any of that 147. You got a Glock, right, Tony? Yeah, I got a Glock 45, yep. Nine yep. millimeter, but that's the thing. People, when you say 45, they think it's 45 caliber. No, it's a Glock 45 model. Guys, Glock numbers make no sense. Don't even try to figure it out. They make no sense, okay? Yeah. Has nothing to do with the caliber, has nothing to do with anything. So you got a Glock 45 and a nine millimeter. What is that? Just make it a, a, lo a, longer, a longer grip because it's about the size of the 19, but it has probably like the – the 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 uh, the grip length of a, a of a seventeen is that what it is exactly right it's got the seventeen bottom half nineteen on top yeah because my is hand is large I did yep. I don't like the feel for me of a nineteen it's too small for me yeah okay big hands but small feet just kidding <laughs> so yeah I, you know I got small hands Tony so this fits me perfect you know. But but I do like I do like that that longer grip angle here. I do really like it. A lot of people undercut it here so they could get higher on it. I haven't done it to this, you know. Um, yeah, well, you, you, there's so much you can do to these these guns, man. It, it, it's insane. It's insane. What else, so, Joe? Come on, hit me with the questions. I got to get you out to the range. Um, well, this might be a, a small departure from the handguns, but well, before I do that, what about revolvers? Man, I should have brought a revolver out here. I love revolvers. I love revolvers. Remember, I'm I'm an '80s guy, um, you know. So um, before pistols, you know, we were all using revolvers. Revolvers have been around since, uh, you know, I mean, forever. You know, uh, pistols are, believe it or not, pistols are uh, even for law enforcement are, are reasonably new. Um, you know, dating into into the '60s, the '70s, and the '80s. So, so pistol pistols are, are are pretty new, and 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 pretty much, you know, most of law enforcement they they use revolvers for a lot of years. I think they're really cool. Um, you know, you get a lot of instructors out here telling people not to have a revolver. Man, you know what? If you can shoot a revolver, get a revolver. If you feel comfortable with a revolver, get a revolver. I go back to that scenario. You know, I shouldn't tell. Do you know? So here here here's here's how I explain this. A firearm of choice is as personal as the food you eat and the clothes you wear, okay? Nobody should tell you what firearm you should use, okay? I hear instructors on forums, oh, I had a lady show up with a revolver and she was shooting 357. You know what? God bless her. If she mm. can shoot a 357 round good, why not? Who am I to tell her not to carry a 357? So I'm going to tell her to carry a Glock 19 that she hates and she probably can't shoot? 
why would I be the one to tell her that? You know, Tony, are you going to tell your students that has a great has a great hook? Don't throw that hook, man. Stay to that jab. Stay to that jab. You know, I don't want you using the hook. I don't want you using a front kick. I don't want you using a roundhouse kick. No. If those are the tools that fit that student, because we don't, you know, guns are like that. They're like fighters. We have we have favorite techniques. We have favorite things that we like to use. You know, the, that's our arsenal. So I'm nobody to tell somebody not to use a revolver. Revolvers tend to be simpler, okay, because they're, they're they're very simple. All you got to do to clean this thing is, you know, is, is hit the cylinder release, knock the cylinder out, you know, um, and you just need to clean it very simply. You need to clean the barrel and clean that. You don't have to be breaking it down like I broke this block down. Another thing. These things have malfunctions, okay? You have a malfunction in, 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 in a self-defense situation. You better be prepared to know how to clear this malfunction and maybe drop the magazine, you know, maybe smack the magazine, rack the round, let it kick out and get ready to go. For a revolver, malfunctions are rare, okay? Let's say you have a light primer strike for any reason with a revolver, which I've never had one. All you got to do is press and shoot again. You don't have to clear nothing. Next shot's ready to go, you know? Um, very simple, very simple revolvers are. Hope that answers your question, Joe. Yeah, I'm glad you kind of addressed the malfunction thing, because that's one of the things I'd heard about, or like one of the consideration points um, that, you know, that you might want to think about when you're purchasing a gun. And I'm glad you brought it up that you, you've got to, besides being able, like if you have a pistol, be uh, spend some time drilling, clearing the malfunctions. You know, that's just another skill set that you need to add to it if you want that. Um well, in your home training, you should have what's called dummy rounds. Obviously, I couldn't bring my whole store out here. You're definitely, you know, you want to have some dummy rounds and you want to work with dummy rounds at home, learning how to clear things. Uh, you want to work dry fire at home so you know your trigger. Can you work your trigger properly? Um, you know, when you go to the range, you you want to have um, you want to have some dummy rounds and you want to have some you want to have some live rounds and you may want to mix some dummy rounds in your magazine. So when you're at the range and, you know, your gun's going to go bang and the next one's going to go click. Well, when that when that firearm goes click, you know, you have to clear that round to get ready for the next one. So you, you, you got to train for all this. You know, it's like any athlete, man. Um, Tony would never go into the ring, you know, and fight if he hadn't trained for that fight because he knew the consequences of it. And I try to explain people to that. You know, you you know, it's not just taking this class. It's a continued education. You have to continue. You have to go to the range a couple times, a, a couple minimum, a couple times a month. I'm I'm not one of these guys that's going to tell you you need to go through 300 rounds of ammo. You can listen. I go to the range. I go to the range twice a week. You know how many rounds I shoot? I shoot 25 rounds each time I go. But I work drills. I work things that are going to help me protect myself in, you know, in the street. You don't need to go out there and, and, and go through 300 rounds. That's expensive. Not everybody can afford that. You know, just get the training in. You know, um, it's, it's, like, it's like a fighter. You, you, know, you, you just can't you know, get ready for this fight in December and expect that you're going to go to, you're going to go, you're going to go to the dojo. You're going to go to the boxing gym and you're going to train once a month. You're going to train once every two months. You know the outcome when you when December comes, where you're going to be if that other guy's been training every day. Same thing with your fire. You really kind of need to do. So the range, you know, the range, you got a minimum do a couple times a month. But at home, you need to holster draw every day. You need to dry fire a couple times a week. You need to practice mag reloads. You need to practice a lot of stuff to stay in it. Because you know what's going to happen if you ever need to be in a self-defense situation? If this stuff is not in muscle memory, you're not going to do it. You know, Tony, I know you're hearing me. 
Um, you know, why, why, why do we, why do fighters, why do fighters hit that speed bag for so many hours? Why do fighters hit the heavy bag for so many hours? Why do, why do martial artists throw millions of kicks? Why do martial artists throw millions of backfists, millions of reverse punch, millions of roundhouse kicks? You know, let's take it to the traditional level. Why do, why do the old master say you, you needed to run a kata a million times before you knew how to do it? Why does the FBI say that 10,000 hours of training makes it perfect? If you think you're going to buy this, you're going to go to the you're going to go to the gun store. You're going to spend four hundred and fifty dollars on this gun. You're going to buy two boxes of ammo. One you're going to shoot that day that you bought it at the gun store. Now you're going to take this gun, throw it in your closet. You're going to put that ammo in there, and you're going to be attacked six months down the road in your house in a home invasion. And this thing's going to, this thing's going to be there to defend you. I got another thing to tell you. Oh, I can't Tony, agree more. Yeah. Perfect, because that's what even with self-defense moves, you gotta practice, practice, practice constantly. But but you're right. We I mentioned this a few months ago on a podcast about getting a gun is one thing, but you gotta get you know you gotta stay uh, sharp with it. You know. Yeah. So there's a really popular system out there. Um, those of you guys that are interested in this and you're interested in home training, listen. We, we, you know, there's private instruction out there. Most, most places will charge you a hundred dollars an hour for private instruction. Not everybody can afford, not everybody can afford that. I'll, I'll be honest. I'm one of the cheaper guys, you know, cause I don't have a, a huge overhead here. It's just me and my son. I charge $65 for private training, but that can add up. Okay. Um, there's a system out there that's called the Mantis X 10. Look into this thing. This is like having an instructor. What this thing is, and it works, it works at home. Okay, you can dry fire with this thing at home. You can take it to the range, and it will tell you what you're doing wrong. It's like having your own private You can get an X3, which is like a hundred and something dollars, and you can get the best system, which is an X10, which is like $250 or something like that. And this thing, from the first moment you shoot this firearm, it will tell you exactly, you know, the first moment you shoot this training tool with your firearm, because you're going to put it on your personal firearm, it will tell you if you're gripping the, the firearm improperly. It will tell you if your finger placement is not properly. It will tell you if you're milking, if you're milking it, you're pulling it down. It will tell you everything you're doing. And if you take it to the range and put it on your fire, your firearm with live fire, it will even measure your recoil with bands that you're not holding it tight enough and the gun is recoiling too much. It's tremendous. Um, if you go and if you look at this thing on YouTube, Mantis, you know, Mantis training system, all the top guys out there, all the, all the veterans, you know, you can't, you can't be perfect with it. You can't score a hundred percent. I think I've gotten up to it, maybe scoring like a 97, 90 something percent, you know, and, and that might be one perfect shot. A lot of times I'm in the low 90s, I'm in the high 80s, you know, because it's so sensitive that it's going to tell you anything you do wrong. And it's called a mantis trainer. That and some that will eliminate having to go to the range a lot. You can train with that thing, you know, twice a week at home, go to the range once a week. I mean, it costs money to go to the range. You figure this mantis, if it costs you $75 to go to the range, you know, three or four trips to the range, this this training system's paid for you. Okay. I mean, it, it, great tool so is is the mantis something you put on your gun then yeah yeah so it's a sensor um if you have a railed gun it goes right up here and it and it and it, and it works off of any movement you have on the firearm if you don't have a railed gun 
has an attachment that goes under the magazine back here. It is so sensitive that even if I had this mantis and I put it on the firearm and I laid the firearm down, you could still see that the sensor is rotating and moving. Um, the way it's, it's explained to me, it, it, it actually picks up the rotation of the earth, which is crazy. You would think that a system like this would cost thousands of dollars, and it's not. It's like the best system is 200 and something dollars, and it will eliminate paying for private instructors. I'm costing myself money here, but I want people to learn. It's not about money when it comes to me, um, you know, um, and, and on top of that, you don't have to spend money going to the range all the time. Um, Tony, you're welcome to pick one up. Uh, I'll let you take one home and, and, and give it a test drive so you can talk about it on another podcast. Uh, and if you have Joe come to your house, you guys can, you know, you guys can get together. You can work on it. I mean, I, I, I'll let you take one home. Just let me know when you, if you want one. That's awesome of you. Yeah. Well, it's going to be a bit because we got hit with seven, eight inches of snow over here. I don't know how much you got. Well, you're in Woodstock. So, you know, you had to get hit with about the same amount of snow. Yeah. I'm looking outside. There's probably five inches of snow. I got to call this guy to, you know, clean out this parking lot. Cause I got, I got 14 people in class tomorrow. And, you know, and I don't want people having to trek through the snow out there. So, yeah, yeah. Well, let me throw in something here. Just, just in out, and I'm going to let Joe get back to the questions. But this is something we've never discussed, Joe and I. But when you listen to the introduction music, everyone knows that Jerry Sigler is, um, who, who does that. He was the, uh, he was my, one of my accordion instructors. And to me, the finest jazz accordionist uh, of all time. His brother, Ken, was a nationally ranked pistol shot and rifle shot um, back in the uh, late 70s and early 80s. Um, I think at one point he might have been top five in the country. So that's a talented family. But it's just, you know, I only met Ken once at when Jerry got married many years ago. But, yeah, um, Ken's still in Cleveland somewhere. But, yeah, interesting that. How do you do you consider yourself more of a marksman, John, or are you more interested in self-defense? Tony, because of my background in self-defense. I mean, I got to be honest with you. I'm probably not the best best shot in the world. Um, you know, uh, I, I could definitely hit a target. OK, yeah. uh, definitely hit a target very well. You know, but there's there's some people I mean, especially the younger generation, man, they get out there and and, and they're like, they're like, I mean, I wish I would have brought a target over. I don't want to stand up and move over there. I mean, they're just shredding the center of that target out. You know, uh, I'm a, I'm a guy that's, you know, going to, going to hover in that nine and 10 district and the, and, and, and the X area, you know, uh, I, I'm, I'm more looking for, you know, and I tell my students, they look at a target and, and when I go to the range and, and they're beating themselves to death because they're not, they're not, they're not hitting that X a hundred percent of the time. And I tell them, that's not important unless you're going to be a marksmanship guy and you're going to get out there and you're trying to win trophies and stuff like that. Man, you just want to, you, you just want to have, you just want to have some good self-defense, uh, you know, accuracy, which what we're teaching people to do is that, you know, first, the first target is that high center chest where you have most of that cardiovascular region. So, you know, if you take this here, your heart's all the way out here. And if you're hitting this area here, and then you got the lungs behind it, you have the spine and everything. Behind, I know this is gruesome, guys. You have all that behind you here. I mean, you literally have like an eight to nine inch circle, which is a good target size right there. You know, you don't have to be hitting the center of it all the time. You know, I tell people, don't beat yourself up. I get people that come out there and shoot for one time or two times. And, you know, and they're going crazy. Tony, you saw it. Uh, yeah. You know, 
most most of the people in class after they take the fundamentals class and they follow good instruction, you know, how to grip that firearm, how to press that trigger, how to align those sights up, you know, um, the, the Illinois test requires 30 rounds, which is kind of one of the tougher tests in the country. And most of my students, what were they hitting, Tony? 28, 29 out of 30? The lowest was 28, yeah. Yeah, maybe a 27 in there somewhere. Oh, I mean, maybe there was, but. Yeah, these they were. These, these guys there were some guys that got 30 out of 30 there. Yeah, yeah. And these these guys are beating themselves up about, about the way they shoot, you know. You want to improve, you just got to train more. That's all. You know, I, I tell you, that's why I work hard and I go to the range because I want to be a better shot, you know. Well, Kevin and I, my friend Kevin, people on the podcast know the one that got killed. Uh, he had a friend that I befriended. His name was Monty Elric. And Monty died you know, quite a few years ago from cancer, but Monty's brother's still alive. And Monty's brother was a world champion quick draw shooter named Cal Elric. And there's videos of him on YouTube. Um, he is, I mean, those quick draws, not only do you have to draw, but you have to hit the target as well. Yeah. Um, this guy is, was, well, he is, he's still alive. I think he's out in Arizona. Absolutely phenomenally fast. Don't blink. Literally, don't blink. You'll miss it. Um, it's just unbelievable what people can do when they practice and practice and practice. Yeah. So, you know, I tell people, you know, they come to this class and, you know, the majority of people, I never see them again. I never hear from them again. Um, you know, truth be told, I got I got this uh, I got this range day that I do once a month with people because um, I want to teach people how to work drills and stuff like that, rather than just going to the range and shoot paper. You know, I probably, since I've been in this location here, I've probably taught, you know, in the last six or seven months, you know, three to 400 people. And, you know, it's hard for me to get 15 people that want to go to the range and train, really train, you know. Um, you know, Tony, that even goes back to the martial art days, you know. You know, you sign up 100 students, you know, you sign up 1,000 students. How many of them really stay with you for over a year, two years, three years, four years, five years. The more you move out, you know, the less people you have. Hence saying why I taught from 1981 to 2007 and had eight black belts. You know, yeah. those are the guys that till to this day, okay, I stopped teaching in 2007 or 2023. They're a phone call away, and I can still talk to these guys because they were true to the art, you know, loyal to their instructor and loyal to their training. How many people, Tony, have you taught through the last 30, 40 years? And how many people do you have that are true to the art, true to the instructor, and true to their training? Very few. You know, I agree with you. I, I just keep hoping that Joe will become one of those students that just walks away and leaves. And I never hear from him again. But, I no, keep, he's I still hanging around. Me, but, uh, I keep, yeah. <laughs> we can Shoot come some more questions. We're working on agreement, Tony. Um, yeah. Joe, Joe, Joe. You could come with me. I'll teach you how to use guns. And when you tire me, I'll say, Joe, you don't come back anymore. Then you go back to Tony. <laughs> um, so before, I want to kind of circle back to concealed carry and some more um, like handgun self-defense stuff. But just briefly, I want to ask, you know, I, I heard before that for home defense that you you might want to consider a shotgun. What are your thoughts about shotguns? Um, I have shotguns. You know, I love shotguns. Um, you know, here, here, here's the critical question for home defense. Where do you live? You live in an apartment? Live in a townhouse? Live in a house? You know, if you live in an apartment, 
and you got a 12 gauge shotgun and you're using a double out or triple out buck round and it's like anything you have to have judicial marksmanship you have to make sure you hit your target what happens if you take that 12 gauge shotgun and you miss your target and you live in an apartment how many walls down do you think that 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 double odd buck or triple odd buck is going to go before it stops i could tell you it's probably going to go through a minimum three to four walls you got to think what's in the path of those three to four walls you know so i know everybody everybody always says oh yeah shotguns best home defense tool you know it's almost kind of almost hard to recommend what's the best home defense tool you know um, because of that, you know, you, you really need the way the options of where where is your home defense? You know, like we teach in the class, you know, you have to know your backstop. And, and if you don't have a solid backstop, you just can't shoot. You know, what happens if you're in a home defense situation and, and you're in an apartment, you got a whole family in the apartment next door. And this guy's standing, you know, your, your threat is standing between you and that wall. And you can miss with a shotgun, okay? And you put a round through that wall, you know, and, and you, you know, you kill somebody in that next door apartment. I mean, you're going to have to live with some heavy, heavy moral issues for the rest of your life. I'm not saying that you're going to go to jail, too, because you're responsible for anything that leaves your muzzle, you know? So, um, you know, it, it's it's more than me just telling you what's a good home defense tool you know a shotgun is a good home defense tool do you live do you live out you know where there's not a lot of neighbors do you live do you live do you live in a place that your walls or your exterior walls are solid um and if even so if do you do you have do you have kids in the next room i mean there's so much there's so much joe that you need to look at that that's a, you know i wish i can give you a a quick short answer to this. And, you know, I hear a lot of people have AR-15s for home defense, you know. I mean, you know, the velocity on an AR-15, you know, you're talking that that round is traveling over 3,000 feet per second. You know, once that hits a wall or hits something, you think it's going to stop? No, it's going to go straight through that wall. But then that 9 millimeter is going to do the same thing. This is why I say you have to have good marksmanship skills and you need to understand what's on you. You need to know your target and what's beyond that target. And if not, you can't shoot. That's a tough one to answer for you right here, right now. You know? Yeah. Maybe what? we could talk. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to be giving bad bad information to people out there right now when it comes to stuff like that. You know, it, it takes training. Um, you know, when it comes to home defense, you know, you, you need to find a, you need to find a good secure location. You need to defend that location. If you have a two-story home, it's a lot easier because whatever you're shooting, you know, um, if that threat starts coming up the stairs, well, you're shooting at a downward angle that whatever it hits, it's going to hit the floor. You know, um, once you're in a in a ranch or something like that, what are your exterior walls made of? You know, what's what's behind that backstop? I mean, there's just so much that's involved in it. Now, there are more modern rounds nowadays, which are called frangible rounds, um, which the the, uh, the the bullet is made out of a composite material. You know, which is a compound material that's bonded together. That when it hits something harder than itself. It's supposed to explode, you know, it's supposed to disintegrate. Um, this was originally, this round was originally created for people that were shooting, uh, that were shooting metal targets outside um, 
to avoid the ricochet coming back and hitting them that when it hit with that metal target, it would disintegrate, you know. So a long time ago, that, that was not used to consider it a good home defense round. But now uh, you hear a lot of people saying that, that you know, that, that monolithic or that, or, that, uh, or, or that frangible ammo is a good home defense round because once it hits something harder than itself, it, it would disintegrate, you know. Um, you know, I'm, I'm by no means an expert on ammo. Um, you know, but you need to be careful what you use. Just like I explained that you don't want to use full metal jacket, you know, when it comes to home defense, you, you need to make sure that you got the right round. You know. I just want to interject that, that John in his class discusses far more than just a gun for home defense. I mean, he's talking about the perimeter of the house, the doors, the windows, uh, escape routes, uh, uh, safe zones and it's really a full, all-encompassing training with this guy. I want to just plug you because that's because you talked about a lot of pertinent information um, in your class when I was there. Thanks, Tony. I appreciate it. You know, um, I, I like to try to answer as many questions as I can in this class. You know, and and uh, you know, I want to make sure that any 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 one of the, my students that that leaves this class, you know, um, if he paid attention in class. You know, he, he's got a decent education. And like I said, especially uh, when a lot of people don't do any further training like that, I, I just feel it's my responsibility to make sure that I give them everything they possible can. Just like, you know, when you left my class, you know, you know, if you're a person that travels out of state, I gave you that download, you know, which, you, you know, you have you have the laws, the gun laws for 50 states right on your firearm, right, right on your phone. You can you can travel across the state line. You don't need to bother, you know, looking up the laws. All you got to do is just pick up that phone, you know, and, and, and hit that hit that app. And it's going to tell you the gun laws in different states. And guys, let me explain something to you. If you think all the gun laws in every state are the same, they're not. And if you think if you get pulled over with a firearm in another state and you don't know those laws, you can end up getting arrested. It's super important that when you cross the state line, you know, those laws in that state. And this is why I give every one of my students that download so they can look and see the laws that, you know, and, you know, in that state, you know, just because you have a concealed carry in Illinois doesn't mean you carry in 50 states. And I know pretty much most of you guys know that, you know, your state has to have reciprocity with the other state. And if it doesn't have reciprocity, you can't carry in that state. And you simply carrying concealed in a state that you're not allowed to is going to end you up behind bars when you're on vacation. Yeah. You know, this is serious stuff. It really is. You know, I love it. You know, I love it. You know, uh, I love teaching martial arts. But, you know, to be honest with you, I, I really fell in love with this. And, you know, I'm retired, guys. You know, I'm 66 years old. I'm going to be 67 in June. Um, you know, another reason I didn't teach martial arts and, you know, Tony saw it by the end, by the end of the class, my, you know, my, my knees, because of all the martial arts, I mean, I, I have no cartilage behind my knees. I've got ligament damage. You know, I got ACL damage. I mean, it's because I got, I got every damage you can think of, you know, by the end, by the end of the day, I'm, I'm hobbling around and, you know, and, and it's tough walking around when, when your knees are shot, but, but I refuse to get a knee replacement, which, you know, the orthopedist already told me that. Now I heard about this gel treatment that they shoot some kind of gel behind your knees and it, and it gives you about a year. I may try that, you know. Oh, good luck. Yeah, yeah. Joe, more questions? Well, uh, kind of an observation that I think will lead into questions, but it's, it's interesting that the parallel with what we do with our grappling and, and martial arts and, and what you're talking about with firearms is because often we talk about 
um, the sport versus the self-defense aspect of it. And I, and I'm getting the impression that's very the same with firearms. Um, and you know, there's value as a martial artist or someone who's looking for self-defense to, to train in a sportive way, but not to lose sight of, you know, the end game. If your goal is for self-defense, just to be aware that like, Hey, maybe I'm doing this to improve my athleticism or because I enjoy the competition. But while you're training that you should always be conscious of, Hey, this, this particular thing is in the street would be dangerous for me to do, you know, and, and be, be kind of, cause I think, you know, we come across a lot of, you know, very tough combat sport athletes who maybe it doesn't even cross their mind that, Hey, I could be bit here or my, my groin is, is, is vulnerable. And, and I imagine there's got to be parallels in the firearm world too, where they're doing things where it's like, man, if you do that, you know, like it, it works for whatever quick shooting competition or marksmanship, but maybe it's a detriment. Are there things, I guess, that as if you're looking into firearms for self-defense that you should watch out for in the sport of thing that might, might actually either develop bad habits or it might be maybe a waste of time. I don't, you know, you're where I'm going. No, I hear where you're going, and yeah, for sure, you know, and and they kind of they kind of correlate, or they even align, they even align with, uh, you know, w- with the martial arts or anybody that's been a competitor or anybody that's you know you've done full contact competitively or anything like that. And and what I'm thinking immediately off off the top of my head is what your body and what your brain will do. Tony, we talked about that, you know. I even used Tony as an example in the class, you know, um, you know what happens. When you're you're involved in, in in that in that situation, which is a highly you know um, you know uh, volatile situation, and your your higher brain checks out. Tony, we talked about that. I asked you, hey Tony, do you do you ever remember going into the ring and you know you 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 basically have tunnel vision, right? You 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 don't see anything around you. You don't see the crowd. You don't see your coaches. You don't see anything or or auditory exclusion which this is stuff that we cover in class and we talk to people, what does your brain do when your higher brain checks out? And this is what police officers go through in critical incidents, you know, tunnel vision, that they're only, all they see is, is, no, is no longer maybe where we normally may have 180, 200 degree peripheral view, but all of a sudden, you know, when, when your heart starts pumping and, and, your, and, your, and your blood pressure goes up, and your thalamus lock, you know, which is your, which, which is the switchboard in your brain, locks out that peripheral vision, and you got that attacker in front of you, and all you can see is his gun. You're not seeing that six foot attacker anymore, you know. So yeah, that's all stuff you take. You have to take into consideration or auditory exclusion. Tony, remember I asked you. I said, Tony, hey, if we were kidding about it because I went through this many years ago when I used to compete. You know, I mean, I wouldn't hear the crowd. I would. I wouldn't hear the people cheering for me. And and it wasn't that I wasn't paying attention. It's just what my body is doing. And that's called auditory exclusion. But Tony, we talked about that, right? Correct. You know, and you told me you experienced some of that same stuff in the ring. And I know most fighters, most fighters do, you know, um, you know, I, my, my instructor, I remember him telling me, you know, when, when I used to compete nationally, he says, you know, I want you to keep a log and I want you to come back and, you know, after you're, after you're, after you're, uh, you know, after you've competed, I want you to write down, you know, um, 
you know, what, what you, you know, what techniques to use, what techniques you're vulnerable to, you know, so you can be better for the next fight, you know, and sometimes I would sit and think, I said, man, you know, what was it, what was it that he did or what was it that I did? Because we, you know, sometimes things don't go into our long-term memory and we can't remember that. And, you know, and that's basically, you know, that, that's, that's memory loss, you know, or we did something and, and, you know, and, 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 and we just can't remember what it was. And those are all things fighters could experience. And those are things you're, you're basically fighting, but you're fighting with, you're fighting with an extension of your hands, which is your handgun, you know, so you're going to go through the same things. And, and in your training, you, you, you have to be able to, you have to figure that out into your training. So when you're training at the range and you're just shooting paper down, you know, at, at, at 15 yards or 10 yards or seven yards or five yards, that paper is not shooting back at you. Um, you know, so you need to do, that's why, you know, police officers and military, they do force on force training. That's kind of hard for civilians, but, you know, um, I talk to my students about, you know, um, you know, um, uh, uh, doing other type of trainings, you know, with your mind where you just kind of put that, you know, put scenarios in your mind and go through them, you know, go through a carjacking scenario, go through a home invasion scenario, go through a scenario that somebody, you know, could be attacking your wife. You know, what are you going to do? How are you going to defend yourself? How are you going to move? Take that scenario from the beginning of that scenario to the end. I used to teach my students to do that, you know, you know, way, way back in the 80s. You know, I, t I taught people how to do that type of thing. Nowadays, it's great. You know, there's a lot of YouTube videos out there. Um, you know, I'm not going to plug anybody here, um, you know, um, but but there's a lot of people out there that are running these scenarios on YouTube. And I tell my students to watch them. I'll, I will plug the USCCA because I'm a USCCA instructor. They, you know, they have a, they have training videos online. You know, any of you guys are in the firearms world, watch some of the USCCA training videos. I actually showed one in class. You know, you, you want you want to be able to know those and, you know, so that's another. So I tell people there's three aspects of training. You got the physical training part, just like you guys do, you know, on the mat and stuff like that. Well, we go to the range with that. But you also have to train your brain. You also have to, you know, you, you know, shadow boxing. You work your shadow boxing. You, you know, you work your bag. You work, you know, your foot. You work your footwork. You all work all that stuff. You know, that's in preparing for the fight. Well, guess what? You got to do the same thing with a firearm. You know, you, you got to go through these mind exercises. You got to watch film, watch film, watch, watch, watch these films on, 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 on YouTube, you know, because they're doing things that you can't replicate. So you can see, and a lot of these people on YouTube are going to break it down and they're going to tell you what the person did right, what the person did wrong and what they should have done. And you can say, oh, shit, you know, that makes a lot of sense. So that's the second aspect of training. The third aspect of training, okay, is the legal aspect of training. When can you use lethal force and when can't you use lethal force? And that's a big one. And I tell my students, I say, you know what, you need to, you need to watch, you know, you need to pick up books, you need to read it. There's also people that are experts on, on, uh, on YouTube that are experts on, on the use of lethal force. You want to watch some of those videos because the last thing you want <clears throat> is all of a sudden you've had this critical incident and you took my 16-hour class, and, and I'm going to ask you, you know, even, even during the 16-hour class, I will come back and I'll say, all right, students, let me know the five principles that you need to have, you know, to justify a good, you know, good defensive shooting. And half the times, even in the class, they can't say it. So, you know, um, you know we, this is a book, and it's a really a great book. 
Um, you know, and this has it all in here. And I tell people, say, buy the book. You know what? Because if you can't remember this now, you're going to tell me you're going to remember this five weeks down the road, four weeks down the road. How about when you have a critical incident? Are you going to remember? Are you going to remember? You know that, that you know that you're going to be you're, you're going to be tested on. Did you act like a reasonable person? You know, I'm going to give you some of these. You know, was that threat immediate? You know, were you the innocent person? This shit's going to happen real quick. You don't have time to think about this stuff. If this shit's not in your muscle memory, if this shit's not in your brain, you're not going to think about it. And you may end up reacting. You may end up in jail. So, you know, I push the, the three aspects of training that you have to do. It's not just going to the range, guys. It's deeper than that. Just like you're grappling, it's much more deeper than just getting on the mat, you know. See the parallels, Joe, between the way he thinks and teaches and, and me. I've been running scenarios and talking about uh, uh, visualization for decades, and that's what he's talking about. Yeah, I was thinking oh, yeah. exactly when he I, said. Yeah, I started doing this in 1981, and that's because I'm a brilliant guy. I think I told you in class. I happened to pick up a book. I, I wish I knew. I wish I knew the college coach that was that was that was teaching mental scenarios to 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 his uh, his basketball team. And what he did was, he, you know, on the offseason, he took two players. He sat one down and said, you're not going to do nothing. You're just going to work mental exercises, mental exercises. He took another one, and he took a simple drill like free throws. Had that guy throw free throws every day. Had the other guy not throw free throws. I don't remember how long it was that he had the guy without throwing free throws. A month, six weeks. I don't know what it was. But after, after the time period, he brought them both out. And that guy that was doing the mental exercises, he was he was spot on with the guy that was doing the free throws all the time. You know he didn't miss a beat. So in your art and in my and and, and in my, my in my world, mental exercises are important. So since 1981, I was teaching my martial arts students. I said, you know what, guys, picture the ugliest, the baddest guy in the world that's going to attack you, and you need to figure that guy overpowering you you need to figure yourself getting away from him and you need to figure yourself putting him down and then you need to figure yourself getting away and, and surviving this attack and nowadays here i am 40 years later and this book has got the mental exercise and i'm going i'll be damned you know even in the gun world they're talking about mental exercises because we can't work um all these all, all these scenarios in real life we can't put them out there we have to work them in our brain and our brain has more power than we than, than we can we, we can we can think. What was what was Arnold's favorite uh, one of his sayings? The body cannot conceive what the mind can achieve. And you guys ever hear that? Yes. Yeah. You know. So your you know your body doesn't even know what your mind can do. But when you build these new neuro, these new neural pathways into your brain, which we call muscle memory. You know, your body may not be reacting to it, but you're so on tune and you've done this a million times, like doing that front, you know, doing that forward punch a million times, doing that front kick a million times, doing doing that Soto Gary, doing that, doing that throw a million times, that when you need to do it, you don't have to think about it. You know, do you think about throwing that jab in the ring, Tony? No, you no. don't think. We talked about it. Do you think about throwing that hook? Do you think about throwing that upper cup? You know, you kind of may set it up a little bit, but, you know, but, but you don't really think about it because you've done it how many times? And yeah, there's countless no, times. Countless times. And there's no difference with the firearm. And here we'll go back to what I said. We can move on with you want. If you're going to go buy a gun, you're going to spend $400 on it. You're going to buy two boxes of ammo and you're going to shoot one round, one box of those ammo when you bought that gun. And then you're going to throw another one in the closet. If you think that that gun is going to be there for you to protect you when you're in a critical incident, 
I hope I hope it does, but it's going to be a fight. You know, you know, it's just like that same that martial artist or or that that fighter that that doesn't that doesn't put all this in, you know in, 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 into his brain. You know, I, I you know I, I hope you guys agree with that. You know, I do. Joe. Oh, what for the people who are listening? What was the book you referenced? Um, this book. Um, well, this is part of our class. You know, um, okay. I guess West CCA instructor. Um, and this is basically a concealed carry home defense book that when you come to class, um, you know, I don't even push it on people. You know, uh, Tony will tell you, I, I lay it on the table and, and I tell people, you know, you can use the book uh, during class. It's got everything that we do. Everything that we do is in this book, Every the whole 16 hours. What I do tell people, I do repeat it a couple of times. You're not going to be able to remember everything that I taught you in this class. You're going to forget it spend spend the money on the book and you know it's a nice looking book you can have it on your nightstand you can have it on your coffee table and you can pick it up and you got the whole 16 hour you got the whole class in this thing you know so if yeah. you forget you can just pick it up and take a look at it you know it's not that expensive it retails it retails for 35 dollars, and i have to say the retail price on it you know because i'm not allowed to advertise the discount prices but you know yeah i'm gonna uh, have to pick that up next time i see you because I forgot. Yeah, yeah. Right now, I mean, I, I you know, I, I actually have another book that that I offer. You know, the USCCA is really good. I mean, here's the here's the here's the uh, here's the emergency first aid book. I mean, these books are really well designed. They're really good. I mean, you know, you can you can you can work with this book. I mean, I teach other classes. I just happen to bring bring these three out here. Here's the countering the mass shooter class. You know, the whole class is in here. I have a couple different classes that I teach. Uh, you know. And, and there, you know, um, just kind of a little another thing I want to add is, you know, um, I'm not only an instructor um, through the USCA, USCCA, I'm also what they call a training counselor, which is a little step above it uh, of an instructor. So if anybody's ever thinking um, you'd have to have your concealed carry in order to do that in Illinois. But if you're ever thinking, hey, you know what? I, I'd like to become an instructor, you know, man, I, I think this can help my martial arts business. I, you know, I, you know, I can, I, this can go hand in hand. It, it can compensate it and it can help. Uh, you know, once you have your concealed carry in Illinois, you could come to me uh, or a person like me. You don't have to come to me. I don't force anybody to come to me. You can, you can find a person like me and, and you can, uh, you can, you can become a concealed carry instructor. You know, I can certify you to become a concealed carry instructor. Um, and, you know, and, and I have that on my website, um, you know, or it, it'll link you direct to the USCCA and you can get more information on that. Um, actually, if you go onto my website, uh, probably in about uh, six to seven days, uh, I'm going to write a blog about it, you know, uh, where people can, you know, find out, you know, um, how to become a how to become a firearms instructor. You know, uh, how long is that training, John? 16 hours. Okay. Um, you know, we go over a lot, you know, we don't, ex you don't expect me to come in here, coming in here and learning how to shoot. It's more the instructor aspect of it, you know, how to be an instructor, how to deal with students, how to do the business side of it. You know, we want you to succeed. Um, you know, so, you know, it, it, it's, it's a good course. Um, a little pricey, a little bit more than the other class. I mean, um, I do it at the minimum that the USCCA wants me to charge. It's five hundred ninety-seven dollars, um, but not only do you get, do you get the sixteen hours, um, you get a toolkit because it's going to set you up to become an instructor. So it comes with ten of these books that you already know 
that you sell for retail for $35. So you get, you know, and obviously you have, you have a markup on that. So you're going to get some of your, you know, money back. I mean, it's going to come with a, it's going to come with a, you know, with, with an instructor shirt on. So you, you know, you're, you're kind of professional in front of the class. It's going to come with all the posters that you can set up your class. Um, you know, and, and if people, people become an instructor under me, um, you got my backing. Um, that's the most, most, most important thing. Just like you martial artists, you know, well, like us martial artists out there, there you go. You know, our instructor usually still continues mentoring us, even if we're black belts, even if we open up a business, they're still there, you know, supporting us and helping us out. And because that's my background, you know, anybody that's an instructor, I mean, and I've got, you know, I've got a few students under me already, um, you know, they know that they're going to have my support. So what do I mean by support? So one of the things that you have to do um, when you're instruct when you're an instructor and the USCCA requires it, you have to you have to have a minimum of twenty students under you annually. And if you're not a guy that's doing this full time, or you're kind of like I was at the beginning, you know, I, I, this was something that I wanted to do in my retirement. I never had a problem hitting twenty. Um, but if you you're out there and have a problem, I've always guaranteed my students that you know if you ever need. If you ever need extra students, you can come into my school and you can, you you know, you, my classes are posted. Just tell me, hey, what, you know, man, I'm short a few instructors, a few students. Can I come in and teach? Man, most of my classes I have anywhere between 12 to 20 students. And you, if you hit the right class, you might get your 20 for the year just coming into one of my classes, you know, and teaching a couple hours there. And that will qualify for you. So that's one of the things that that, that I guarantee people. Um, and like, since I have a full-fledged business here, I've offered some of my students, hey, listen, you know, make some money on stuff. You come and get stuff from me here from my store because I buy direct. Where when I when I was an instructor, man, I was surfing the I was surfing the internet trying to find good deals so I can make you know a dollar on some headsets, a dollar here, a dollar there. Well, guess what? Now I got it. And if you're 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 one of my students, I will give you a good deal on it where you could take. Don't let you know um, you know they don't go buy it somewhere else. You know, you can sell them the headset. You can sell them the eye gear. You can sell them. You know, we we sell. You know, we sell. But I just have some stuff out here. Pepper spray. You know, we got cleaning supplies. You know, that's stuff that I'll give my students to you. They can have it on hand. You know, uh, at their at home class because a lot of guys teach at home. We have. You know, I just. You know, Joe, you told me to bring some of the stuff up. You know. You know, here's here's a here's a nightstand safe. You want to have a tactical safe. You know, all this kind of stuff that people need. When they when when they do this, you know, um, this is an expense. This is an expensive business. You know, this is an expensive sport when you get into it. You know, um, so I, you know, I'll set my students up with all of that. You know, even in my facility, if they got a big class, you know, I have a I have a, a, a sixteen hundred square foot um, classroom next door, which I have it divided up in three sections, where I have one classroom. That can hold 25 students, which is basically the classroom I teach it. I have some subclassrooms back there. I have another classroom back there that'll fit 10 students in it. Where if I get a all of a sudden I get somebody that teaches at home and he can't put 10 people at home, I'll let him come teach here and we'll work something out. I got another classroom next door that I could teach six people. So I got three classrooms next door where where, where people can, you know, if my students that, that took their concealed that became instructors under me, I'm gonna support them all the way through, you know. Sorry if I ramble. No, yeah. it's just, it's great. Yeah. Well, yeah. so we've probably gone over 90 minutes, which is a pretty good length <laughs> for a podcast. 
No, we covered a lot of good stuff. And I realized there's still other stuff I wanted to ask you, like you showed the safe and I want to talk about gun safety and things like that. But uh, kind of where this is leading me, just realizing, obviously, this is a whole other dimension. We really have, this is the first, I think we've ever focused on firearms, Tony, in the hundred plus Correct. episodes. And I would love to have John back on for a uh, for like part two or, or you know part three. You know what I'm saying? Well, I was actually thinking, yeah, maybe it could be a, a monthly or quarterly focus where it's like, hey, let's revisit this because I think this is an important aspect for people to be literate in. You know, even if they don't own guns, to understand it a little bit better. I mean, clearly, American is a gun culture, and we live in it, and we need to understand it. Um, That's another topic. <laughs> yeah, and. Um, so, uh, yeah, I really appreciate your time. I kind of, like I said, it was packed with great information. And I, like I said, I have other topics, but I, I could spend another 90 minutes picking your brain. So absolutely, let's do another session soon. Let, uh, let, let the audience says that they, if they like me, I'd love to come back. You know, um, you know, like I say, I have a plethora of students and people that I can bring in. You know, also, I actually wanted to have, uh, you know, I got, I got, you know, there's there's a lot of women martial artists out there. Let's let's you know we if if they really like this podcast and you guys want me back, you guys will tell me. You know, hopefully it doesn't blow and people don't listen to it. Um, but you know if you get back and you know I can bring one of my female students out here. I got I got a I got one of my female students that I call her Jane Wick. Man, she is awesome. You know, I'll tell you, been a concealed carry uh, person now for about three years. And before we end this real quick, you know, she came and took my class and had never ever shot a gun before in her life, you know, and, you know, she took, she took about seven or eight private lessons and, you know, she felt real comfortable with the firearm. She gets her concealed carry and she's ready to put that gun on. And I'd love to have her here to tell the story. She goes, man, you know what? I just couldn't walk out of the house with that gun on and put the magazine in the chamber. I was scared. I was scared. I didn't want to do that. I'm not going to end the story because this may be a follow-up story, you know, so I told yeah. her, and and we did it like in three steps, man. And here we are, three later, three years later. She comes in here and says, you know, I don't let people take their firearm out, and you know, in my in my class in my school. But if there's nobody here, she's here, man. She'll take that firearm out. She'll rack it back. She'll look at it. She'll clear it. She'll say, hey, man, you know, what do you think about this? Do you have a holster? You know, I mean, this girl's like spot on. Spot on. <laughs> I'm gonna say one one more thing. I'm going to say one more thing. If there's any girls out there listening to me, you guys are better shot than the guys. Okay. You guys are, most women end up shooting better than the guys. So if you think that you want to try this, you know, it empowers you. It makes you feel strong. You know, try it. You know, um, you know, if I'm in your area, give me a call. If not, you know, the important thing is to, if this is what you want, get yourself a good instructor. Um, you can go on the U. I'm going to plug them again because I'm a USCCA instructor. You can go on to the USCCA website and you can put in your zip code and you'll find and you'll find a you know a qualified instructor there. You know, um, but like anything, you know, you need to find one that fits your style. You know. Well, it was a great honor to have you on here, and again, I I, I cannot emphasize how much I recommend John personally. Um, I, I he's just a great uh, wealth of knowledge, number one, but he's able to convey that knowledge, uh, which is something that a lot of people have the ability and the in the talent, but they don't have that communication skills. John has all of that; he's a total package. And Joe, we have to hook up with him and get some Cubano food. 
There we go, man. Some uh, con gris con ropa vieja. Yeah, I'm all there. I'm there for sure. I'm there too. So uh, once the weather breaks, you know, we'll be good. But anyway, uh, everybody out there, I hope you enjoyed this podcast. We will, of course, see you next week. Um, and I'll just cl- close that, you know, pretty soon the weather's going to get nice. So those of you who want to come and train with me, the three-day, the five-day or, or something permanent, like the like when I offered the Tri-C, just contact me. The sooner the better because – you know, time flies, you know, and then this spring or summer may, I may not have the time to train. So if you come or if you sign up now, lock it in, you could, you could sign up like say today and come out in June or July or whatever, just got to book it. But anyway, thank you again, Mr. Hernandez, Joe Cardinal. I don't know uh, how to end this. You always, I know that you want me to end it on a superlative uh, about you, but um, let me just say this. The galaxy isn't big enough to contain you, okay? We got to go beyond our Milky Way, okay? Like, I don't know, is there like a Snickers gallery out there or uh, an O. Henry gallery? Because that's, or galaxy, that's where you need to be. I was always more a fan of Twix, but I'll, I'll settle for a Snickers. Uh, uh, the Twix galaxy, that's fine. But anyway, everybody, thanks for watching and listening, and we'll see you all next week. Thank you.